0: I credit my ADHD for some of my greatest superpowers. And you know what? I spy a happier life for you, too. So without further ado, a shiny new episode is starting now. Hello, I am Tracy Otsuka, and I wanted to welcome you to episode 53 of ADHD for Smartass Women. I hope you are having a great start to your new year. I just got an Apple Podcasts review from she calls herself Love My ADHD from Canada. And this is what she said. I love to listen to Tracy and her guests. Her positive outlook and approach helps me explore ADHD with an open mind and positivity. Please keep these going, Tracy. Would love to hear more about the science of ADHD as well. So that got me thinking, especially coming off of the heels of our episode on meditation with Diane Winger. It's episode number 50. Do not miss it. It is fantastic. Remember, I know you because I am you. And you're sitting there thinking, meditation? Ugh. It's a crock of woo-woo spiritual crap, right? How am I supposed to meditate? I can't even sit still for two minutes. And then you want me to not think about anything while I'm doing it as well? Yeah, right. Well, the way Diane walks you through meditation, you can do it. And I know that because I was thinking exactly what you were thinking. And episode number 50 is, if not my favorite episode now, of the entire podcast, it's also in the top five most useful episodes. So, okay, I digress. So anyway, I was thinking about how good that episode on meditation is. And I was thinking about what I could do to get you to listen to that episode with a more open mind, especially you science people. And then I was thinking about our listeners' request about hearing more about the science of ADHD. By the way, that kind of terrifies me because I am about as far from a scientist (laughs) as you're going to find. But what I will tell you, but, 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 is that law school taught me how to be a pretty damn good researcher. So that led me to look at what the science was behind meditation or or mindfulness. And what I'm talking about is specifically, I wanted to learn about neuroplasticity. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. And I found this great book. It's called The Mindfulness Prescription for Adult ADHD, an eight-step program for strengthening attention, managing emotions, and achieving your goals. It's by Lydia Zlau. Oh, God, I'm good. I knew I was going to massacre her last name. Okay, MD. M-D-Z-Y-L-O-W-S-K-A. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Anyway, Lydia Zylowska. Now I'm going to stumble over it every single time. She is a psychiatrist specializing in mindfulness-based approaches to mental health. She co-founded UCLA's Mindfulness Awareness Research Center, and she led the first study of mindfulness training in ADHD. I believe she's still at UCLA, where she's the assistant clinical professor, but I'm not 100 percent sure. The forward to her book, by the way, is by Dan Siegel who's Harvard educated. He's a clinical professor of psychiatry at UCLA School of Medicine, and he co-founded the Mindful Awareness Research Center at UCLA with Dr. I'm just going to call her Lydia from now on. He is the individual who is probably most connected to connecting, sorry, I use that word twice, connecting mindfulness with brain science. Okay, so what is neuroplasticity? Anyway, you should really pick up that book, and a lot of what I'm telling you here is from Dr. Lydia's book. Neuroplasticity is the brain's amazing capacity to change and adapt throughout life. It can reorganize itself by forming new neural connections. Neuroplasticity allows the neurons, so the nerve cells in the brain, to compensate for injury and disease and to adjust their activities in response to new situations or to changes in their environment. We talked about this in our podcast about exercise way back. I think it was episode 10, where scientists had discovered that in lab studies with mice and with humans, exercise was shown to prompt the brain to produce greater amounts of a protein called BDNF, which was basically like miracle growth for the brain. So exercise encourages brain cells to sprout synapses, which form the connections that the brain needs to learn. BDNF promotes the creation of new brain cells. So when you exercise, you're growing your brain, and in doing that, you're more apt to learn, right? Brain scientists, they used to think that neuroplasticity only occurred in the brain during childhood. But now we know that the brain can actively adapt and change throughout life. Exercise also plays a role in neurogenesis, which is the production of new brain cells in middle-aged and older adults. Now, Lydia, in the mindfulness prescription, she shares two really interesting examples, or maybe I, maybe I'm going to give you three. I think three interesting examples of neuroplasticity. You know, The first one was about the brains of taxi drivers in London. And I remember hearing about how hard it was to pass the test to become a New York cab driver. Well, I guess it wasn't anything close to what you have to do to become a London taxi driver. So what you had to do is you had to memorize 25,000 streets and the businesses and landmarks on them. London cab drivers, they do not use maps. New York ones don't either. I, personally, I have no sense of direction. I mean, literally no sense of direction. If I tell you to go right, you need to go left. My daughter, she's been in school in New York City now. She's in her senior year, and I still have no idea where Wall Street is relative to the Upper West Side versus the Lower East Side. Honestly, I don't even know what those areas mean. I just know her school is in Greenwich Village, and she lives in the Lower East Side, I think. But anyway, I digress. So a British neuroimaging study looked at the brains of taxi drivers, and they compared them to the brains of non-taxi drivers, and they discovered that, that the hippocampus, that's the part of your brain that's involved in memory, they discovered that that area was thicker or more developed in taxi drivers. Isn't that crazy? Other studies have shown that kids with ADHD who play computer games that are designed to enhance working memory had enhanced brain activation in the prefrontal cortex after only 5 weeks of training. Now remember the prefrontal cortex, that's the important brain structure for performing executive functions, which is what with ADHD we tend to have we tend to be deficit in. So anyway, um Dr. Zylawska Just never gonna get it. Sorry. You know how that happens in your brain? Does it happen in your brain? Where once you mispronounce it or you stumble over it one time, there's just, your brain's just fried. And so every single time you, you say that word, you're gonna screw it up. Dr. Zylowska. Also talked about a study where two groups of monkeys, this one's fascinating, two groups of monkeys were exposed to sounds and finger taps. So one group of monkeys was trained to pay attention to sound frequency, while the other group was trained to pay attention to the frequency of the finger taps. What they discovered is that the monkeys who paid attention to the sound frequency had more developed auditory cortexes than the other group of monkeys who showed no change in that area. What this indicates is that attention is a key factor in neuroplasticity. Where we direct our attention determines which neural circuits become engaged and modified. This new understanding of neuroplasticity has completely changed our thinking about meditation. By repeatedly engaging our brains in a positive way through meditation, guess what? We can affect the function and even the structure of our brains. Dr. Sarah Lazar at Harvard showed that long-term meditators actually have thicker, more developed brain regions related to attention, self-monitoring, and emotional regulation. So we're talking about executive functions. And if you're over 40, you'll be happy to hear that the prefrontal cortex, again, we're talking executive functions, think working memory, self-motivation, planning, problem-solving. They didn't have the typical age-related thinning that you normally saw. That alone will make me meditate, right? (laughs) Let me mention on one more study that um, Dr. Lydia cites. And this one was by Dr. Helene Slagter at the University of Amsterdam in the Netherlands, which looked at attention blink. So attention blink, I didn't know what it was, but now I do. Attention blink is when two pieces of information are presented quickly, one after another, The brain doesn't normally perceive the second piece of information because it's still processing the first piece. In this study, long-term meditators were able to perceive both pieces of information much more than the control group of non-meditators. And I don't know about you. But if this is why I have such a problem with directions or instructions, because if they give me three things in a row, I'm still focused on number one. I'm not even thinking or paying attention to number two and number three. So I can get to point one, but I can't get beyond that. So anyway, meditation is like exercise, right? If you don't use it, you lose it. But first you have to build your stamina up just like an exercise to see the benefits. And also like exercise, the more meditation you do, the greater the effect, but you get benefits pretty darn quickly. The University of Oregon did a study in collaboration with Dalian University of Technology in China and reported that its participants saw improvement in attention after just five days meditation training. Like we can all do five days, right? And knowing our brains, once we do five days, we feel the benefit, we feel better, we're going to want to glob on and we're going to want to keep going because we like streaks, don't we? And it appears that the areas of the brain that are enhanced by mindfulness or meditation training are exactly those areas of the brain that are affected by ADHD, namely the prefrontal cortex and the interior cingulate cortex. This means that if you get into your head with a lot of doom and gloom and tell yourself you can't change, you're born like this, you will always have a temper, it's the trauma and you can't change, you are wrong. And yeah, I'm talking to you inattentives and our RSD sufferers. You're wrong. Neuroplasticity shows us The change is always possible. So forget about all that past stuff and focus on your intentions. Commit to building the traits that you want to develop both in yourself and or in your child, because guess what? It's all possible. Everything changes when you start paying attention. And this next paragraph, these are not my words, but I love them so much that I'm going to repeat them. The problem was I put all my citations down below when I'm choosing what it is that I want to talk about. And I can't find the citation that goes with this paragraph to save my life. I think it's in there and I'm just not seeing it. So I am going to read you um, a paragraph that I just absolutely loved um, that had to do with what we're talking about here. So Everything changes when you start paying attention. You can pause long enough to see your mental and emotional habits and typical patterns of reacting. You can notice tendencies to get lost in the future or past and return yourself to the moment. You can see life more clearly as it is and bring more intention to facing whatever is happening. You can choose to respond to your experience instead of reacting. And in those inevitable moments when you fail to do so, you can give yourself a break. Along the way, you rewire your brain. Hey, Tracy, that's me avoiding conflict again. Or I need to pause and revisit my intentions. This time, I'm going to try something different. I just love that. Because you learn how to observe your emotional states as temporary in passing instead of acting on them. That's how you learn to regulate your emotions. Neuroplasticity and thereby meditation, it changes the structure and function of brain regions that support your executive functions, which is where our ADHD creates deficits, and that includes around emotional regulation. I highly recommend the Mindfulness Prescription for Adult ADHD by Dr. Lydia (laughs) Zajlowska. Don't forget. So I'm going to post in the show notes. I will post the link to her book. Don't forget to listen to the meditation episode of this podcast. If you haven't already listened to it, it's with Diane Winger. It's excellent. It's episode number 50. And also, if you go to the show notes, I have attached 17 science-based mindfulness exercises from the positive psychology program in the Netherlands. Um, and I've included that for you as another resource. And you know what? That's what I have for you this week. We're doing short and sweet as always. You're listening to ADHD for smart ass women. If you like this podcast, please let us know by leaving a review Our goal is to change the conversation around ADHD, helping as many women as we possibly can learn how their ADHD brains work so that they can discover their amazing strengths. And your reviews, they really help in that regard. For me, they're like those little gold stars we used to get on our work when we were kids. One more thing, if you have a comment, a guest you'd like me to interview, or a topic idea for this podcast, you can go to my website at tracyoutsuga.com and leave me an audio message or reach out to me at tracy at tracyoutsuka.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you here next week. You've been listening to the ADHD for Smart Ass Women Podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Atsuka, and we're available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Play. If you liked what you heard, we sure would appreciate a review. And not coincidentally, ADHD for Smart Ass Women, well, that's also the name of our free Facebook group. Go look it up. We're a totally smart ass community of successful, ambitious women who share our ADHD wins, questions, and workarounds. We'd love to have you join us. You can also find all my details over at tracyoutsuka.com. Don't forget, I spy a happier life for us, and I'll see you again next week.